0: With the massive amount of creative disruption happening in our industry, the need for advisor education is greater than ever. How has one university responded to that challenge? We'll find out on part two of this episode of Shift Shapers.
1: Change either paralyzes or energizes. The choice is yours. You're listening to the Shift Shapers Podcast. You're about to learn firsthand from businesses and entrepreneurs who have successfully shaped the shifts in their industries. Get ready to become the change that you want to see. Here's your host and Chief Transformation Strategist, David Saltzman. This episode of the
0: Shift Shapers Podcast is brought to you by Captivated Health, a captive insurance arrangement that helps small and mid-market companies escape the fully insured marketplace and delivers stability, control, and savings without watering down employees' benefits or increasing their premium share. If you have clients in the educational institution or the engineering vertical, go to our website at CaptivatedHealth.com or click on the company logo on the Shift Shapers website. Hi, and thanks for listening. If you haven't already subscribed at the ShiftShapersOnline.com website, you'll want to do that right away. Why? two reasons. First, you'll get a quick email every Monday so you can be the first to know about this week's new episode. And you'll also be eligible for special offers. And well, I'm not supposed to say anything about this just yet, but but I'm so excited about a special offer we have coming in just a few weeks. It's an offer that will help you learn the 6 steps to get the 3 things you need to become a recognized expert in your area and open opportunities that will help to take your practice to the top and at a special discount for Shift Shapers members. But you can't get the discount unless you subscribe. So pause this podcast, go to www.shiftshapersonline.com and click the subscribe button now. Don't miss the upcoming special offer. And again, thanks for listening.
1: How about scrutinizing the Duexis situation? I mean if, if you have a pill that's put together with half ibuprofen and half famotidine, so you have advil and pepsid and costs eighteen hundred dollars a month. Really? And there aren't any studies to support that? That it performs better than ibuprofen and pepsid when used together? It's it's fascinating what's you know, what's being reimbursed and the waste in the system. I know that within an hour and a half of here, you can get a $30,000 knee replacement or a $90,000 knee replacement. And, you know, on the, on the West Coast over, you know, in six figures. So, when you begin to address, you know, first the unnecessary, and I'm sure you're familiar with the Walmart Centers of Excellence, where if you're an employee of Walmart and you're told that you by a, a local regional doctor you need to have a knee replacement, spinal fusion, joint replacement, you can get that and Walmart will pay half. Or... You can be flown free of charge to a center of excellence, Cleveland Clinic, Mayo Clinic, and and be assessed. And if the procedure's necessary, everything's paid for. So when I talked with Tom Emmerich about that, you know, the father of, of travel medicine, really, I thought, well, maybe Walmart's getting a $500 open heart surgery. You know, they're pretty good purchasers. But the case was that half the procedures were unnecessary. Half of them over seven years were unnecessary and more than 60% of spinal procedures, So between, you know, the pharmaceutical costs, the unnecessary procedures, and the price variation within a procedure across the country, there's an enormous potential for improvement. Yeah, I mean, I I think even when you have
0: what should be fundamental conversations about pharmacologic equivalence, it's so difficult to have that conversation with a doctor. And it's not just due excess. I mean, there, there are loads of places where there are drugs that are pharmacologically equivalent, that cost a fraction of what's being prescribed. And yet just being able today to have that conversation with an employer, if you're an advisor to say, Hey, this is something that we need to teach your employees to ask about and or having that conversation with the doctor is something that to you or to me might seem like the biggest no brainer in the history of earth. And yet when you talk to people, it's almost as though they they're looking at a Martian. (laughs) So there's some component of this, isn't there that
1: has to be an education of the public as well? Absolutely. Yeah, you couldn't, you couldn't be more right. In the class the other night, you know, initially, David coming into this program, I thought, well, the biggest thing is going to be really having the advisors be able to confidently communicate that costs can be a lot lower. I thought well, that would be a, a, a really good thing and for human resource directors to believe that. And what I found is they, they do believe that and they know of examples. But Finding the right approach to a human resource director who is, I don't know, I don't know about you, you've probably talked to a lot of human resource directors, but I don't find somebody that's really looking forward to that open enrollment period. They are, they really dread that. And if you say, guess what, I'm going to make this one or two month job, a six month job, because you're going to learn and you're going to be, you know, there's generally not an appetite for that. So as part of this program, you know, recognizing that in advance, That's that's kind of a critical component, not just to the human resource side, how to secure resources and funding internally to make a change and to understand whether or not there's support for a movement, but also on the benefits advisor side to understand the perspective of human resource. In fact, in an ad hoc meeting we had yesterday, we said that we're going to schedule meetings with panels of human resource and panels of advisors to talk specifically about what will make you interested in setting up a meeting? What, how can we educate you most effectively? Because that does need to happen. You know, there's been talk here and there about more of a top down ERISA approach to this, which is if, if you're in, in a, you know, self insured plan at all and you're, you have ERISA fiduciary responsibilities, how can you accept a, a double digit increase for a couple of decades? That, that seems to be fiduciary irresponsible. I mean, it's not just a double digit increase. It's a compounded double digit increase. That's right. That's right. You're the mathematician of the family. I'm not, but <laughs> I could show you the graph. So as a matter of fact, just for kicks on a weekend, I did this, which is going to turn off any listener that's still left. But so I said, I wonder what healthcare costs would be if they had increased at the rate of inflation since 1960. And it turns out they'd be about $240 billion, which means that that's 15 times higher than it should be. And, by the way, if you look at what that means to each individual in the country, that means accumulated over time, it's $138,000 per individual that we're out because it's a, that's just the difference between the increase in healthcare costs and the increase in inflation. That's a lot of money. I mean, you probably don't need the 138 grand, but I could use that. That would be nice. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I, would, I would take that
0: <laughs> if somebody forced it on me. You know, it's funny. You go back to the the HR folks, and, you know, they're being asked to do more and more and more with less and less and less, and, and they see kind of any change as their enemy. But I, I think it, it belies a larger conversation. I'd, I'd be interested in your thoughts on this. It seems to me that one of the things that as advisors we need to do is get employers back in touch with their corporate culture and the cultural reasons why they're offering benefits, not just the practical day-to-day benefits. And once that starts to be communicated, then you can have a different conversation, I think, at the HR level, can't
1: you? Or have I missed that altogether? Oh, I'm I'm sure that you're right. I haven't spent a lot of time in that area specifically, which is why we have have other folks that are going to come in and talk about those strategies. But, but certainly, if you were to say that for example, you have a 2 or 3% salary increase if you can help us, you know, purchase pharmaceuticals here and get imaging here or, you know, whatever that is. I think there is a different conversation. And I think people, you know, the, the one thing I've seen time and again, you've probably had this, this conversation with other guests, is that folks believe that quality equals cost. Most businesses, that's true, but that's just not the case in healthcare. Most people that have had to have a second surgery because the first one really didn't do it, well, that's not really free. And if you have the same procedure in a surgery center versus a hospital, you're going to pay 40 to 50% less and the infection rate's lower. So I think, you know, associating the cost with the quality may be on the employee's mind when, in fact, if there's an education that shows that efficient health care actually allows better choices for health care and we'll actually lower your costs at the same time. And
0: now, a word from our sponsor. Captivated Health is a single source solution for your clients and prospects in the education and engineering verticals. The founders of Captivated Health have 35 years experience working with healthcare and benefit clients. And over that time, they've developed a keen understanding of the unique problems mid-market clients experience. Frustrated by a lack of control, the unpredictability of ever-increasing health care costs, and the pressures and regulations of the Affordable Care Act, these groups have been adrift in the fully insured commercial marketplace. Until now. Captivated Health has built a program that solves those problems and does so with virtually no disruption to employees while saving clients millions of dollars. We wanted you to be among the first to know that Captivated Health is building a national distribution partner network so you can bring this cutting-edge solution to your education and engineering clients that you advise. To learn more about Captivated Health Solution, go to our website at www.captivatedhealth.com or click on our logo on the Shift Shapers website. I mean, I, I think it, you know it's interesting to me that we spend so much time in other industries focusing on user experience. You know, if, if you're in B school, they tell the story of Nordstroms or, or or some of the other Stu Allens and some of the other Paragons who've gotten the user experience right. But a lot of times, advisors' conversations at the corporate level don't always translate into good and effective communication at the actual end-user level. Is that something that the course is contemplating talking about? And mm-hmm. how might you envision
1: that, that moving forward? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the, and I think what you're speaking to really is the, you can do it a couple of different ways. There are, I mean, the employee engagement is one, the NPS scores, employee surveys, but you're right. In general, the engagement level is somewhere around eight to 10%, you know, at the high end for, for employees in the health program. And I know, I don't want to, I guess, promote some folks over others, but you know, Michael Pullman at APTA, they've, they've had some, they have engagement levels in the 60%s and, you know, use quantum for care coordination. So there are a lot of folks out there that that are addressing this, and that's certainly part of it. That's certainly part of the program. Because I think the care coordination piece of that will will ultimately impact the experience. Can I just give you a high-level look at what the benefits classes are, or is that? Absolutely. No, yeah, please absolutely. do. absolutely. So as you're a benefits advisor, I worked worked with Dave Contorno and Robson Baker out of Texas and Andy Roberts, Christy Gupton, and and a bunch of folks to try to construct a program that ran in parallel with their life. So as you know, fourth quarter for for benefits advisors, not really when they have a lot of free time. So the way we structured the program was in, in the first half of the year, that's when the learning of you know, the background of the healthcare system and health insurance. The, the, the first first courts is History and Future of Healthcare, which is is taught by Jay Keys, who's executive director of Direct Primary Care Coalition, but has also been involved in legislation with portions of the Affordable Care Act and with Medicare. And he's going to have Ken Thorpe come in from Emory University, who's a regular in the New York Times. So those are the types of folks that we have have teaching that Then we have. So the purpose of that is let's see where healthcare has been and let's see based on firsthand experience in DC where it's going. The next course is analyzing the elements of the healthcare value chain. So this is looking at deconstructing a plan. So unbundling everything completely. So let's understand the TPA. Let's understand your PBM. Let's understand care coordination, Biometric well-being, not wellness, after the that that took a shot the other day with a study mm-hmm. that came out that said that wasn't. But you're deconstructing that. So the end goal for any benefits advisor is that you can take any company from fully insured or ASO to completely self-insured. And that's not what I'm saying should be done. But in order for those folks to go into the market confidently, they really have to understand that. And in order to do that, you have to understand in-depth direct primary care, care coordination, pharmaceutical costs and providers, bundled services, reference-based pricing. You need to understand all of that. And for some clients, it, it may be that you use you know 5% of it to get them started in a direction, but the capability is going to be there. So that's the second course. The The third course, which we're in right now is Managing primary care, care coordination, and pharmaceutical costs. And we'll actually have 15 speakers and panels that are interacting with the students during this five week course. The next one is managing expensive procedures, stop loss, and chronic illness. So basically the progression is, you know, direct primary care, care coordination, pharmaceuticals. You're trying to keep the cost down. If the costs get big, what do you do then? And then the health benefit design one and two follow that, and that's taught by two FIA attorneys, Andrew Silverio and John Jablon. And the purpose there is, okay, you you understand where healthcare is going. You understand where value is going to be delivered. You understand the value-based components and the players in those markets and how they operate. So now let's take that information and overlay it on your client. What, you know, what's your client's risk tolerance? What's their financial situation? How big are they? What's their geographic location? Take all that information and integrate it into a plan that makes the most sense for them. So in a nutshell, that's, that's kind of the first half of the year, most of the program. After that, we do talk about finance and healthcare. We talk about legal, ethical and social issues that are, should be of most Concern to benefits advisors and benefits administrators. We have a course actually that follows the health benefits design that is strictly on organizational change and benefits administration. So, what that means to advisors is I have a great plan. I had one human resource director tell me once I don't don't care, Tom, if you have the best plan in the world, I don't have the resources to educate, train, and engage these employees. So, this course is specifically to address those concerns, where we're going to have a lot of interaction between human resource and benefits advisors, because bringing a plan is one thing, and having a seamless implementation is is something else. And finally, there's a marketing component that I'm going to have to talk with you about, David Salzberg. Oh? Well, I, I hear you've done some work in this area. A little bit. Now, a little bit. Thank you. But specifically for benefits advisors, I think getting the word out efficiently is important. And really, there's two elements to that. First, you know, how to, as you said, it's an educational process with regard to value-based approach to healthcare. And second, you know, differentiating themselves from other other brokers. But right now, these fellows that are out there and women that are out there, they're not really they're not competing against each other in value-based approaches. Right now, there's a lot of status quo that they're trying to overcome. So when you said 10 minutes ago, do you think there's an educational component that needs to happen? There there absolutely is. And so where do you see
0: this going in the future? I mean, I know you've just kind of broken ground on on the first generation of this, but as, as you spool this out and you think about not just scaling in terms of number of people through the program, but also how the program might expand, what do you envision?
1: Well, the expansion, yeah, in terms of numbers, I think there's a couple of ways. I'll address that first. The way this will expand, and we've seen it already with the folks that have shown interest in starting in the summer and in the fall, that will grow. I think what I'd like to see happen is is for this to take shape in other universities, because it's scalable, that's online. And I think that the direction that it's going to go, I think will evolve as the industry evolves. So, Right now it might be more focus on getting into that first meeting and education. And then when people have, you know, begin to be educated, then you have, okay, well, I know these are available. How do I tie them together? But they're different questions as you evolve. And what we are doing starting in the fall is actually in the summer, we're going to start a program for new graduates or those looking to switch careers. Because it's a unique point in time where if you are ten years behind in selling insurance, that's not necessarily terrible. I mean, if you don't have the 10 years experience that this other person has, but they've been selling really the traditional way, you know, fully insured, this this is new. And so it's an opportunity for newer graduates or those that are switching careers to really get up the learning curve quickly. It's a fascinating program and
0: and it's clearly a large need in the industry. As I said, we'll we'll link to the course and, and a way to get more information about it for any of our listeners who are interested in learning more and perhaps participating as, as you guys expand out and go down the road. This is I guess you would call it, you guys would call it synchronous. So part one has to come before part two, part three, part four. If somebody wanted to enroll, they would enroll at this point for the beginning of twenty twenty.
1: No, you can actually enroll either in the spring, summer, or fall and begin there some classes do have prerequisites but several of them don't so you could take the intro class you could take finance you could take the legal you could take really analyzing the elements of the value chain but you do want to take four classes in in sequence so so that would be the managing primary care Care Coordination, Pharmaceuticals, Managing Expensive Procedures, and then Health Benefit Design 1 and 2, you would want to follow in that order. But the other courses, we've been very flexible in terms of of getting folks in without prerequisites. And so if you started in May, so the next time you sign up will be May 13th, you would finish in August of 2020. If you begin in, in the fall, you probably also wrap up in August or September, there are two ways you could do that. So we wanted to be flexible with everybody's schedule, you know, and we've made the, the synchronous part of this really. So we, we found, I found already in this class and the doctoral medical science program has seen the same things that, you know, certainly I'm fascinating, David, don't let me fool you, but really the folks are coming to hear the people talk who have actually changed healthcare. And when they have access to those folks, we have synchronous courses, there's interaction going on, but there's a lot that's done between classes and, and really between classmates. So students in the course who have commonalities or who are looking to solve problems and they hear these great speakers come in and talk and it triggers something. We've seen a lot of collaboration already in seven weeks among the students in the program, which is actually similar to what we saw in the, in the doctoral medical science program.
0: Interesting. And and so the, the enrollment the first year would be, what would you predicate in terms of number of
1: students? And then what would you look for in the second year? Yes. Yeah, so we had, you know, given the that we were not allowed to really market this until January <laughs> because it wasn't approved by faculty, we have 10, you know, in the initial class, it looks like we're going to have 10 additional right now, 10 or 15 start in May and and it's growing for fall. You know, if we had you know, a hundred folks start per semester. That's a good That's a good place to be. We don't want a hundred in one class, so we would split that up into sections because I don't want to take the value of the interaction with the industry experts and individual students. So we're conscious of that. Yeah, there, there's room for growth. It's, it's a scalable program. And the best part, these industry experts have been amazing. Their willingness to contribute information, resources, networks, has been unparalleled in terms of what I've ever seen in higher education, that's for sure. Well,
0: we look forward to doing what we can to help you promote the degree. We think it's something that's that's well past due in the industry. Tom Scott, Director of the Health Benefit Design Graduate Program at the University of Lynchburg. Tom, thank you so much for sharing your expertise with the Shift Chapers audience. Dave,
1: thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. It's scott-tb underscore at lynchburg.edu. And we will put that link at the bottom of the show notes on
0: the Shift Shapers online website as well, just in case nobody commits it to memory while they're (laughs) listening to the podcast. (laughs) Thanks again, Tom. Thank you, David. The Shift Shapers podcast is a production of Strategic Vision Publishing and David Saltzman. This podcast may not be reproduced in any form, in whole or in part, without the express written permission of the producers. All rights reserved.